Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. I love this place. Not, not just because I get to talk all the time. But because of what it represents, I think. I, you know, I hear, pe- I hear the stories in your lives and I hear of what it's done. The focus on the Lord. The focus of grace. The focus of faith righteousness. The focus on what Jesus has accomplished in and through you and is seeking to establish in your life. You know, I, I, those are the kinds of testimonies I like to hear. I wish I could share the private ones that people send and bring. But some serious heart transformations are happening. You know, people are breaking free from lifelong controlling issues, and it's deep stuff that's breaking off. And it's because of the blood. It's because of what Jesus did. When you put that perspective, when you put the focus on Jesus in the right place, then you just begin to experience the fruit of what he paid for. And that's really what Christianity is. You know, it's been made so much about all of the stuff that we think God's supposed to do for us or maybe the things that we feel like we're lacking and then God is a vending machine and we put the scripture in and get something out out from him or maybe you come from a more religious background where you're up here repenting every week and you're, you're sorry again. And God's not interested in you being sorry. He's interested in you having faith. You know what I'm saying? Repentance is not about convincing God how sorry you are. It's changing your mind to believe the truth. And when you believe the truth, it produces an effect in your heart. It transforms you so that you outwardly match what he's done inwardly. It it empowers you to say no to sin. It emboldens you when somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? You don't don't care what your constituency is going to say. Immediately, your hand goes up, yes. Let's pray. I I think that we should just keep church about Jesus. And and let's just give him glory. And let's just remind ourselves of what he's done and participate in the life that he died for us to have. I mean, sometimes I wish we could just forget everything we've known about religion and then just learn brand new what Jesus did for us on that cross and where we are in that, and just be focused on that. And just forget about all the junk that has led you to guilt and condemnation and thinking you're not good enough and thinking God's not happy with you. If you're in Jesus, you are pleasing to God because Jesus is pleasing to God. You can't please God. Only faith does, specifically faith in what he's done. And it's the power. You know, I'm, I'm launching into this series about the blood. And if you would pull up Leviticus 17, 11, if you'd have that ready, please. You know, we, if you ever wondered why sacrifice, you ever wondered why blood? Well, I don't understand. Why did God have to kill his son? I don't get it, right? It's a weird, it's a weird concept if you look at it carnally. But if you look at it spiritually, you understand that it's, it's an exchanging of life is what's happening. So if you look at, this is Leviticus 17:11, and it gives a perfect description of why the sacrifice, why the blood, why it seems like God is so focused on blood, but he's really it's not about the blood per se, it's about the life. So in Leviticus, 
we're given the system of the priests executing sacrifices for the atonement of sin so that once Jesus showed up, after hundreds of years of doing this system, people would say, oh, this is the Messiah that we've been foreshadowing through all of these rituals and ceremonies for all these years. Now it makes sense. This is the temporary system. Now Jesus is the real thing. So it's not really about the blood. When we sing about the blood, it's about life for this reason. So Leviticus 17:11, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you uh, to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Why? Because the life is in the blood, right? So that's the reason for the blood. And life had to be given for your death. It had to be paid for somehow for you to have access to the presence of God. That's really the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died for you, exchanged your death for his life, exchanged your lack for his provision, exchanged your sickness for his health, exchanged your carnality for his immortality, exchanged your condemned state of existence to righteous acceptance before the Father. It's an exchange. Amen, the end. Let's go home. <clears throat> but how does that actually affect our lives, right? Let's pull up that Re Revelation 12, Revelation 12, 10. Because we all face things, right? And we hear the, the teaching, the power's in the blood. It's the blood that can change it. The blood causes you to overcome. So this is in Revelation 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come, and the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Specifically, verse 11 again, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, of that blood. Not necessarily the word of your testimony of I remained faithful through this challenge. That is a testimony of the power of God, but specifically the testimony that you live in, that you overcome life circumstances is the power in the blood. The blood is powerful because it's life to you. So when we talk about blood, you have to interchange in your mind life, blood, life, blood, life. We're talking about the life of God within you, the life of Jesus that is available to you. Galatians 2.20, that we live now, the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. So you can pull that one down. So we understand doctrinally <clears throat> what sanctification is. Because Jesus shed his blood. Hebrews tells us that when he came up out of that grave, he took his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies, and he offered it as a sin offering for the entire world. That's some powerful life substance. And part of what he did that you saw in Revelation 12 is he kicked out the accuser of the brethren. That means the enemy has no longer has presence to God 
to accuse you before him. He's been kicked out, and he's here running around because he knows he's got but a short time. What he does is he accuses you to you. You to you. And he gets you singing that same song that he sings so that you begin to accuse yourself. You don't even really need help from the enemy. We're really good at accusing ourselves, at slandering ourselves. I mean, you wouldn't dare let somebody talk to you the way you talk to you. Think about it. But see, we've become so used to that accusatory attitude toward ourselves, we just deal with it. We just live with it. We let it bear fruit in our lives. We listen to the slander about ourselves, whether it be from the enemy or not. But here's the thing. It has no place in heaven, and that's where you really reside. So I want to go through this series and kind of talk about how to actually overcome life's issues because of the power of the blood. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, right? So that's a spiritual concept. There's not like a seven-step process of how to apply the blood or plead the blood or whatever, do something with the blood to overcome. It's, it's a process of faith and empowerment from the very presence of God through you to live it out. Now, you can't really set steps to that, but it can. there are some very practical things that we can do to, to set our hearts and our minds in a posture toward God where we are acknowledging the blood, but there is not just a mental acknowledgement. There is an actual spiritual life that's given to you as a result of you beholding and acknowledging and giving glory to what Jesus has done. See, that's the process of grace. There is an actual force available to you, and it's the life of God. It's the essence of God. Now, if you were to think about God and, and what his spirit is, what it is that gives him life, what is it that animates him, the essence of his spirit, that same spirit is in you. That same essence is in you. That same life is in you. Those are all interchangeable words for me. You could say that same blood is in you because the life is in you. See, it's like you have been planted into God and your roots are drawing out of Him as your life source. It's like you're a branch that has been engrafted into the vine so whatever the vine pulls out of the ground goes into you. And whatever kind of vine that is, is the fruit that's going to grow off of you as the branch. But it's a very real presence. It's a very real force. You know, I, I, I talk to people, and I want to I really make this a fine point because I hear the disconnect between, yeah, I doctrinally understand the blood, and atonement, and sacrifice, and sanctification. I, I get it. Yes, I say yes to that. But how to actually live in such a way where it goes beyond just knowledge and there's an empowerment within you. That is grace. That's what grace is, is how do you let the Spirit of God actually empower you and transform you and teach you and lead you? So we've made it about, okay, well, I've got to hear God. God's got to give me some information that's what hearing God is. I don't know something. Let me go hear God 
Now I've got some information that I was previously lacking. Now I can do something. It's like, no. I mean, you might get an intellectual message from God. You might get some knowledge from God, but it's always going to testify of the blood. It is always going to remind you of who and what you are in Him. It might be specific to your situation, but it's always going to be tying you back into Him as the source to deal with whatever the specific is. Now, see, that sounds really impractical. That sounds really nebulous. I realize that. But I don't want it to be a, a mystical process. I don't want it to just be good ideas. I want it to be an actual life connection that you are empowered by the Spirit of God in your heart. And whatever you believe in your heart is going to come to pass in your life. Out of the, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. As the man thinks in his heart, so is he. And see, your heart is directly connected to God. There is no separation. And, and so then you start, you start to go around and you see the, the reason God would say certain things like, nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing can come against you and separate you from my love. He goes through in Colossians and he says, the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, that disqualified you from righteousness on this earth, that was nailed to the cross. The enemy has been kicked out of heaven. So the enemy can't use the law, in other words, your failures, to accuse you to the Father because Jesus already fulfilled every physical responsibility, not responsibility, but, but law that you would have had to perform to be acceptable to God, Jesus already fulfilled that for you. Not so you can sin, but so that you can live in His righteousness. Then it says that He stripped the enemy of any and all power. Any authoritative structure that exists out there, Jesus is supreme over it. He's king. End of story. Then it says, a circumcision was performed on you where the root of sin was cut out of you. You don't have a sin nature lingering within you any longer. It has been cut out of you. Jesus died for you to be righteous before the Father. He gives you a new heart. He gives you his spirit. And so now we're in the state of how do we live in this physical world fueled and empowered by a spiritual life force that actually can, can change things in this world. You know, we make it about healing. We make it about money showing up in our bank account. We make it about all the physical things because of our lack, focus, when really it should just be, I just, I just, want, to, I just want to be so full of God. I just want to be so filled up with Him that it just, you know, you've seen a bud, right? You walk out, you look at these trees, and it's like the buds that are popping out of those trees right now. It just, it's like there's so much packed into that stem, that branch, that it, it, can't, it can't hold in anymore. It's got to bear the fruit. That's, that's what I think should happen within us, is that we become so full and aware of the love of God for us, acknowledging what Jesus did, that we're so touched and overwhelmed internally that it just, these little buds start <laughs> popping out. And see, we're trying to make fruit happen. We think fruit is a physical effort rather than a spiritual growth. I mean, it's fruits of the Spirit that we're looking for, right? 
Now, that doesn't mean that you just sit back and eat Cheetos and do nothing on the sofa all day long. I mean, you understand there are some people that slide off a little too far and say, well, I just don't have to do anything, God. You're going to do it all. Well, no. You have to mix faith in your heart with the promise of the Spirit and all of those promises that are available. So you're saying, I work for it. No, you don't work for it. It's a paradox. You do the work of faith. In other words, you do whatever it takes for you to be confident in Him. You don't let worry, you don't let fear creep in because it starts to sow seed. It starts to sow weeds along with the faith. And that fear robs. The fear starts to constrict and limit what God's trying to do through you. So the reason I want to tie that to Revelation where it talks about the accuser being kicked out of heaven and that now we're in a position where we overcome by the blood, you know, I want you to have a, the, a, the picture that anything that you face, your first response is, am I in faith toward God? Am I trusting and depending on that spirit that lives in me to empower me to deal with this situation? See, we turn to drugs, we turn to alcohol, we turn to knowledge, we turn to sex, we turn to our jobs, we turn to success. Whatever it is we turn to, we look out there to try to make us feel a little bit better. Then we can deal with the problem. It's like, no, let the Spirit of God bring the peace that you're trying to get. Create that inner environment and it will grow. It's like the seed. It's like you just got to make room for it. Make room for it by remaining in faith toward him. Make room for it by acknowledging the blood. That's what I want to anchor all this back to is the blood. This whole series, the next however many weeks we do, is going to be anchored in the blood. That it, the blood meaning the life. I'm directly connected to the Father. He who has the Son has the life. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me, giving life to my physical body. That's a real thing. That's not just some nice idea. That's not just letters on a page in the Bible. It's real. Do you know how to open your heart to receive the empowerment of that indwelling spirit? Because that's where transformation comes from. That's the answer to every problem you're facing. Can I let God influence me to the degree that I don't limit what he wants to do in my life? See, because it's the reason the children of Israel didn't experience going into the promised land, which what should have been a six-week walk. They wandered for 40 years because God protected them because given their current heart condition, had they gotten into a land where they had to go fight giants, they would have been slaughtered. Their hearts were not at a place where they could follow God through killing giants. So God said, you know what, I'm going to protect you all for a little while. Just follow me. Just trust me. And so it was like a 40-year degree of trusting God that eventually they got to the place in their hearts where, okay, we've been walking with God a lifetime now. Now our hearts are ready to actually fight. It wasn't God withholding promise from them. It wasn't God punishing them because they didn't have faith. It was actually God protecting them until their hearts were at a place where they could receive the better that he had for them. So once they got to the shore, they were like, giants, let me at them. 
We've been eating miracle food for 40 years. Our shoes aren't worn out. Nobody's sick. Our clothes aren't worn out. There's this fire and this cloud all the time. You better believe I'm going to trust God. A giant is nothing. Let's go do that. that that's, I think that's what this place is, that I want it to be for you, is a transformation center where you're bathed continually in your mind and in your heart to just trust God. That you, you begin to let it affect the little areas of your life where you turn to whatever it is that you turn out, turn to in the outer world, that you begin to trust God inwardly. I'll give you your homework. I'll give it a little bit early. <clears throat> Y'all ready for that? Here's what I, because this whole series we're going to go through, and I, I want to make it practical. I know it's a difficult concept to think, okay, there is this spiritual life, and it can empower me, and I can actually change and live from that. But a practical way to begin to experience that is let it change your emotions, which will then change your actions and change what it is you allow yourself to see and let God do through you. So here's the exercise. When you face life this week and the depression comes, the anger comes, the, the, the feeling of lack because my job is not enough comes, or you're dealing with the people in your life that seem to have lost their minds, when that stuff comes in... Now, this is where you have to trust the Holy Spirit to teach you. And I don't mean hearing an intellectual message from Him. I mean just trusting that your connection with Him will empower you and change your inner world so that it will begin to affect your outer world, so that you begin to have the filter of Him influencing you rather than the world's influence all around you, and that's all you see. You know, have you ever talked to people and they just have a positive attitude and you're looking at, you're looking at something and you start talking about it and it's like, did you not see all of this negative stuff? They're like, no, I just see the positive. What's wrong with you? Are you in denial? You know, I wish I had a better specific example, but you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so here's the homework. When life happens and you feel the emotions, focus on your connection with God and try to find some promises in the Word. I've got this little book in there. God says yes to 3,000 promises. I'm not just trying to sell you a book. If you can't afford it, we'll give it to you. But it is a good way to flip through and you just find something. And you meditate on this promise related to your situation to the point that it begins to change how you feel. Because how you feel is going to dictate what you think and the decisions that you make. I mean, I'm telling you, I see so many people get in trouble because they're desperate. A lot. Desperate. Desperate for God, even. Desperate for something that he's promised them. You know, the, 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 the motivation is right. In other words, I want this, what God has for me. But because of the condition of the heart, it's, it's, it's a panic. It's, you know, something that looks remotely like it could be God. You just jump all in and you're on it. And it's like you didn't take time to let wisdom guide you through the process. And we find ourselves in trouble all the time. And then we turn back around and say, God, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? What did I do to bring this in my life? You know, I think the world needs mature Christians. I think the world needs people who aren't swayed by this world, <clears throat> can give the testimony of what the blood of Christ has done within them, in other words, you've experienced some transformation in some areas. And your heart is at a place 
where you carry the gospel into the world and you're not moved by people's stuff, you know? It's difficult because people will tell you really challenging things. And, be, and where we are, you know, it gives you an indication of where you are in your own heart toward God because, you, you know, you start to wonder if God can do something about this or not. You ever done that? It's like somebody tells you something, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know how that could get any better. It's so bad that I don't know. Maybe we should just start praying for them to die or something. <laughs> you laugh, but you've done it. Yes. It's so hopeless for them. We should just pray that they die. It'd be, it'd be more, be more beneficial. Really? That five-year-old kid? I mean, I'm not trying to create condemnation for us. <clears throat> That's not the point, but it's like, man, we need to be so rock solid in who God is because it's not about us, it's about what he's done mm -hmm. that we actually let it empower and change and affect us, our expectations, our attitudes, our emotions, mm -hmm. our words toward people. But it's all done by acknowledging the blood by acknowledging the sanctification and the righteousness that you have that lies within that blood, that life that is fueling you and empowering you. Pull up 2 Corinthians 1.20 there, please. <clears throat> this is kind of another little practical area of, of how to stick with the blood, right? When the accusation comes... In your mind, you know that Jesus ascended to the Father and kicked the enemy out of there and cleansed it because that's what it said in the passage we started with, Revelation 12, 10. The enemy has no authority to accuse you to the Father. That means when you miss it, the enemy doesn't have the right to bring sickness or lack into your life because God's in control of that and he's trying to be your provider. He's not listening to the enemy. He's, he's taking care of that. So where we are is this is 2 Corinthians 1.20, <clears throat> and we're talking about that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, specifically our testimony about what that blood of the Lamb has done. And then this is an area, you know, we, we talk about this a lot because it's just so powerful, but the, the second part is what I want to look at today. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by who? Us. To the glory of God. So the amen is spoken by us. And I think I might have preached this before, but here's the question. What are you amening? See, this is what amen means. <clears throat> Imagine that you're building a foundation for something. It's a brick foundation to put a house on or something. And amen is this. It's like taking a brick and putting it there. You put that mortar on there, you spread it, you put it in place, and it begins to firm up, and it, and it builds the foundation more and more. Every brick is an amen. Amen means to strengthen or to establish or to agree. That's what an amen is. I'm building a stronger and stronger foundation. But what are you amening? Are you amening the doctor report? Are you amening the pain in your body? You know what I mean? Which one are you coming into agreement with? The promise that's a, that is there because of what the blood has done? 
the promise is all the way tied back to the blood. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what is it that you're building? It's like we're building two different kinds of foundations, you know. It's like sometimes we take sand and we spread it on the brick. In other words, things of this world, fear, worry. It's like I'm going to put, I'm going to amen this, but I'm going to put sand here because I'm not really quite sure that I can trust God in this area. And what happens in that part? It just falls over. But this is our responsibility as believers to amen the truth because of the power in the blood, <clears throat> because of the life that we have within us. I mean, you know, I, I've seen people, you can, you can pull that down. I'm in touch with some guys who were having an online conversation, sometimes actual real conversations, but I guess online is real, right? Sometimes. <laughs> and there's this, there's this uh, error of doctrine kind of creeping into this grace movement that's happening. It's, it's called inclusion, and really it's a form of universalism. It's Christ-centered universalism. It basically says that everybody was already in Christ. Jesus died and saved everybody. No matter whether they have faith or not, everybody's saved, which ultimately is universalism. It gives Jesus credit, but it's still wrong. <clears throat> so I've noticed something about some of the guys that are trending in this direction is that, and, and this is a little mean. I'll just tell you, I'm going to be a little bit mean for a minute. But it's like they can't get their faith to work so they start looking for reasons of why it's not working, right? And when I say they can't get their faith to work, they're trying to perform to get stuff from God rather than just exercising faith in Christ. And we all are in that position sometimes. We say we believe, but it's not working, right? There's sometimes when we can't get our faith to work. It's because our faith is in something else rather than just in Jesus and beholding him until the fruit produces but I see these guys go down this process of <clears throat> looking at what is a promise, but not experiencing it in their own lives. And so we come up with reasons. Now, it's not just them. It's us. We do it as well. We start coming up with reasons of, okay, so I see this promise, but it's not working for me. That must mean God doesn't want it for me. I'm the exception. Or that must mean that God's withholding it from me for a little while because I've got a little bit to learn before he can give it to me. Or, I don't think God does that anymore. Or, maybe the Bible was just written by men and they didn't really actually understand God, so we can't really trust the Bible. I mean, that's how far it goes. To the point that we just discredit the Word of God that was written to be a testimony for us. Because we can't get this stuff to work. We start looking for information to explain why we're not experiencing a promise. You ever done that? It, it makes you write bigger checks. It makes you go get more hands laid on you. It makes you do all kinds of seemingly spiritual things to get what God has already promised you. And if you would just remain faithful toward Him, if you would just remain confident toward the power and the life exchange that's in that blood, it will bear fruit in your life. The change that you want will bear fruit in your life if you make room in your heart for the influence of God because you have his life within you. Give it time. Be patient. Set barriers in your life 
that keep the things out that rob your peace, that ultimately rob the seed from growing. That might mean you say adios to some people. That might mean you leave one job and go for another job. That might mean all kinds of things. You put guards on your computers, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Sorry. But it's all about can we have confidence in the sacrifice and engage in a real process of empowerment. And you do it every day. Every, every fa- situation you face, every choice, it's like, am I going to amen the promise? Am I going to? I don't know what to do in this situation. I acknowledge that there's work to be done. I acknowledge that I have some transforming to do. I, I acknowledge that I need to work this job Temporarily, I need to remain faithful here. I acknowledge that I'm going to stay strong right now, but in the process, I'm amening the promise. I'm amening the blood. I'm amening the accomplishment of the cross. I'm amening that you and your household shall be saved. I'm amening that by his stripes, we are healed. Not to get God to give it to you, not to qualify for it, but to let it grow. I think that's the explanation of why we don't experience what we know is rightfully ours because of what Jesus paid for is because we cut it off and we try to eat that fruit too soon. Worry breaks out the shears, says, I'm ready to eat it now. Oh, wait, it's not right. You know, fear says, I need to pay this bill right now. I'm going to take this penny when it should grow into thousands. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> we, we fear it kills. So what are you amening? Are you amening the truth? Or are you amening what the world's giving you? Because you're building either one that you're agreeing with into your life. But tie it all the way back to the blood. Not your power to believe. Not your strength of faith. But his sufficiency of sacrifice, which is the exchange of everything that we want to experience in this life from God. All the way back to the blood. Talk to the blood. You guys hear talk to the hand, right? Talk to the hand. I ain't trying to hear that. You talk to the blood. Accusation comes in. You missed it. You missed it again. Talk to the blood. You know what? I don't know if you're you're always gonna be at this level financially. You're never really, you're just always gonna struggle. No. Talk to the blood. You don't know how those things are going to change. It's not your job to know how. You knowing how doesn't make them change. It's an acknowledgement of the power in God. The power of God flows through you. Will you live a life where you're disciplining your mind and heart to stay in faith toward what he's promised, to let it grow. Talk to the blood. Say that. Talk to the blood. (laughs) That's what you do. Accusation comes. Fear comes. Worry comes. Lack comes. No, I'm going to talk to the blood. I'm going to look at the life. I'm going to acknowledge what he's done. I'm going to yield to him and let that flow through me. I don't know how it works, but I know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. I know that I have the son, so I have the life, and that life 
changes things. Amen? Amen. I, I hope that's practical enough, but yet big enough to make you think a little bit, you know. Thank you, Father, for giving us your son. Thank you for sacrifice. Thank you for atonement. Thank you for not just opening the door to heaven and saying, I hope you make it, but actually placing us within you and giving us your life, giving us your essence, giving us your spirit. And just make this decision. God, I open my mind and my heart and my soul and all of my strength to be taught by you. And I trust that you're teaching me and you've given me a heart that knows how to hear. Amen.